let's go back, let's go back, let's go back, let's go back. Hello, what's up? Welcome back to Ergo. You are here. I'm assuming you've heard it before. I hope so. That might not be a safe assumption, but let's roll with it. All right. What we're doing on this episode is going back in the archives. Each month this year, we're highlighting an episode from the Ergo Crates and going back to bring it to you for the second time. Or if you haven't heard it before, welcome. Yeah, and this one is a treat. We were really feeling ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of our first times in LA together. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got to hit up our homie Malik, aka Black Party. And he messed around and got internet famous on us. <laughs> he did. It's really <laughs> helped float our numbers. Yeah, yeah. There are some like sponsorships that like we we're like, well, we have an average number of these listeners that thank you, Malik, for yeah. making that possible, yeah, keeping yeah. those numbers boosted. <laughs> and SoundCloud was popping. <laughs> Why was the SoundCloud popping? Because he done a lot of work with Childish Gambino as well as Carrie Foe. And, so and his music's really, really good. He is a great artist himself. His most recent project, Endless Summer, came out last year. It's really good. It is good summer music or like L.A. drive-around music. Mm. I have one objection. He does have a song where he's like, if it gets too cold in L.A., I go to Australia. And it's like, buddy, it never gets too cold in L.A. <laughs> Stop complaining. <laughs> but that, that caveat place... <laughs> It's a really fun conversation. Uh, we actually talk about aliens for a long time. Game. And it's, he was kind of early on the ball. The, the alien conversation has kind of blown up and gone mainstream. The avant-garde then. of the alien <laughs> combo. <laughs> so really a great conversation. We're excited to get y'all listening. Let's go back to 2017 for our conversation with Malik Flint, a.k.a. Black Party. Yeah. you man see i'm polite sometimes i actually ask <laughs> you as opposed to your hypothetical are oh, you listening to ergo whpk ergoradio.com uh, i'm kiss i'm damon and uh we're we're living large currently yeah man we're out here it's uh fake sunny california <laughs> we came and brought the clouds with us we're in los angeles here with a very special guest um Actually, I don't know what the correct artist name is because I, I know you by your real name, but I don't want to mess this up. For sure. How uh, would you like to be referred to? Uh, under music, I go by Black Party, but everybody who knows me personally just calls me Malik. <laughs> I'm comfortable with Malik. How do you feel about that? I'm I'm down with Malik. Yeah, we, I mean, you just yeah. But Black everybody. Party. That's a- 
That's dope, though, man. Thank you. Like, I've, I see it online, but like to hear it said out loud. Yeah. So I have this thing. I call it the Bell Biff DeVoe moment. Mm-hmm. Anytime there's like magic, anytime somebody comes up with a clever name uh-huh. or like a witty something, yeah. I think about Poison. Because like yeah. the Bell Biff DeVoe only had one hit. True. But I know when they made that hit, they were like, oh, this this shit is gold. One yeah. day, the are going to hear this you know? and be devastated that you don't view their other songs as hit. I mean, they're, they have I a mean, whole that, classic that, that's a fact, career. <laughs> it's not even like <laughs> They a have a whole debatable. classic career doing this shit. They, are, you know, they have a movie now, so they don't care about me. But at Bell Biv DeVoe as an entity <laughs> only has one moment, but a classic moment. And so I think Black Party is a dope name. Tell us Thank about you. that moment where you were like, yo, this is... Um, okay. Um, so I used to be in a rock band called Flint Eastwood and it, <laughs> yeah, kids knows name. <laughs> yeah. So like basically that like folded and I wanted to, you know, keep working on music again within like a band format. So I tried to start another band, didn't necessarily work out, but, uh, through that, I went on a quest finding a great band name and Black Party was the one name I picked. And like anytime I would, cause I was working at a smoke shop at the time. And I remember like the guy who was my manager. He was like, uh, I was like, yo, what do you think about this name? And he was like, yeah, it's, it's cool. Was yeah, like, like, you can't see the vision, man. You're out. <laughs> I was like, all right, that's, that's enough. And then I asked my boss and she was just like, oh, it's cool. <laughs> so then like after after Type a while yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but after a while the name just started growing and like it started like i don't know just stu- i stuck with it because i'm like really bad with just sticking with a name or an idea but like that name just stuck and from that on that point on like everything was like set in stone i was like all right i'm keeping the name yeah so i mean we can give a little context to how we know because i know you pre that name i know you under the even pre Flint Eastwood name. Yeah. <laughs> I know you under the can I say, I'm gonna say yeah, yeah. The MP the MVP uh, moniker. Yeah. We're going way back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh Malik is a friend of a friend who went to school with Damon and us. Shout out to Nick. Um also the only person to ever give us an ergo shout out in a rap verse is Nick Ward. What? Yeah. I shout out to track. Nick. They'll tell you this life ain't fair though. You think too much, just let your head go. They want us dead, so what you scared for? Cause everybody ain't like you. Just let your head go. Uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll fold it in. Yeah. <laughs> so I missed the first round. But but Nick was always <laughs> speaking, speaking of, but you know Nick was always talking about this kid back in Little Rock where he was from who was like he was like I don't know what the deal is with this guy but like he just keeps giving me things that like I can't wait to rap over and like he's, he's crazy he's yeah, crazy he's like a little kid. For years. Um, <laughs> and then eventually uh, we did this this big show. It was like one of the first things that Damon and I ever collaborated on. Uh, we did this big concert for his music with a live band our senior year uh, in in Grinnell, like in this big chapel. And uh, we flew you up to Iowa from Little yeah. Rock for that show. That was my only college experience. <laughs> <laughs> Had you ever been flown anywhere for anything before? 
To this day, like I before that, yeah, before no, that. definitely not. That was the first time. It was funny because like I just remember you're like, yeah, got enough to fly you out, and I was like, awesome, I get to fly to <laughs> Iowa. And then it's funny because like so like I don't know, it's such a great experience because I tell the story all the time. I was yeah, like, that's you- my college week. <laughs> it's crazy because getting flown out sounds so luxurious until you finish the sentence of, like getting flown out to rock. Iowa. <laughs> you know, the, on the Concord, you know. <laughs> but before we get into all the stuff you're doing now, like when you tell the story, like when you think about that time, because, you know, we've done things since then that have reached more people or been like a bigger thing. But like that to me is one of the things that I'm proudest of making from scratch because I like didn't know how to do anything at that point and yeah. we still made it. Like, what was that experience like for you? I thought it was dope because it was just a moment of ingenuity to me. Like, uh, I felt like, I don't know, I felt like being a part of something that was just like a moment that everybody who was involved with that moment will never forget. Yeah. And it's like, you don't really have that too many times in life where it's just like a moment where it's a lot of people from a lot of different places, a lot of different backgrounds, and everybody just comes together and makes something beautiful. Yeah. So it was like something dope to like be like to witness and be a part of and be like be fortunate to be a part of, you know. How about you, Dame? What was it like? I remember Nick gave me some hot ass hot chocolate and burned my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> like he knew it was hot as hell. He was like, hey, you what's up? <laughs> nah, but that was that was um that was a super dope experience. I had just like almost got arrested. <laughs> and so we had to like do some songs about the police and everything. And it, it was really cool because in that venue, like Thurgood Marshall had spoke there, like Martin Luther King had spoke there. Um, and I, I felt very culturally disconnected from that place the whole time I was there. And for that to be like the last few months of school um, and there'd be like this new like resurgence and feeling uh, a part of community in a very limited sense but was dope. Yeah, I... Uh... It was fun. I still have the like all the audio that we recorded there that we never put out anywhere. So maybe to add to the list of things I'm going to roll in, I think like maybe I'll link to that. I'll put it up. Um, but since then, uh, Malik, you've like done a whole bunch of stuff and found your way out here and are making music and and doing some exciting stuff. Um, how long have you been in Los Angeles? I've been in LA for two over two years. I moved out here Halloween of 2014. And I know you're, this is the story that everyone I'm sure asks you to tell, but like, how'd you end up out here and what what was that journey? Yeah, I'm going to try to make this story short, but, uh, um, I'd prefer if you did it word for word, the way you've done it in every other interview. <laughs> <laughs> That's the right uh, not, um, back in 2014, I was doing a lot of like, I was like really involved in the city doing like music, uh, putting on shows or you uh, talking about back home yeah back home back in little rock uh in 2014 i'm staying with my brother working two jobs like doing a bunch of uh odd jobs and whatnot mm-hmm. like uh like i would throw shows uh i record some rappers do some engineering stuff production for people and uh around that time i was starting my own project again because like uh i always take years off to just perfect my craft or anything I feel like I'm weak at I try to what, like, what, what does that perfection process look like um for or what's an example of of you t- like being in this like the gym basically yeah so basically for me like ever since I was like six probably younger than 16 well, I'll say about 15 16 I was always wrapped and produced so it was like kind of a 
double thing. But as I started getting older, I just I decided to like take some time to work on either or and just kind of like tighten that up. So if it's like if I feel like my rapping is better than my production, I need to tighten my production up. And then when it's time to be like, all right, well, let me get my rapping up to part of my production now. Then I go and like tighten that up and, you know. So you're in one of those periods where things are you're like returning to it and doing your own stuff again. After yeah. Yeah. So um, I want to say 2014, I was also working with an artist, Carrie Foe, um, doing a lot of production with her because uh, we worked on her because she had put out two mixtapes that year. We worked on uh, the second one that year was Laugh Now, Die Later, which is the one that kind of propelled her. And, uh, and she was in Little Rock too. Yeah, she was in Little Rock as well. And um, one of the records on Laugh Now, Die Later, uh, No Small Talk, is one that uh, we co-produced together and um, ended up catching like tr- a lot of traction. Um, and it caught the ear of a bunch of different people, but one of the main people uh, that reached out around that time was... Uh, my manager, my now current manager, uh, fam, uh, found me on Twitter. You know, hit me up like, yo, I like the No Small Talk song. And I was like, I appreciate it. Told him uh, I worked on it with a Carrie, like just at the house, at the crib, whatever. And uh, like he hit me up back like 12 hours later. and was like, yo, give me a call. So I, I'm like at my friend's house. So I'm like, like nah, nigga, call me. <laughs> I'm like, okay, all right. So uh, I'm at my friend's house, and I like, uh, I kind of go off, and I call him. I'm like, yo, what's up? And he's just like, yo, I fuck with you guys' music. I fuck with you guys' sound. Like, um, I work with uh, Child Again. You know, I played it for him. But you didn't know that before the phone call. I knew. Well, I kind of, I kind of did just a little bit because I, I kind of keep up with like certain people Mm -hmm. that surround artists. So I, I knew it was. I knew he was in that camp. I didn't Mm -hmm. know what his exact role was. I just knew he was in that camp. So I kind of like, I don't know. I just used my inference to be like, okay, he's probably in. We all know you're a smart dude. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but but yeah. So, um, so he was just like, yeah, I play Donald the record. I can't make any promises, but he made. Uh, remix the record if that's cool with you guys so uh, I was like yeah I mean shit that's dope like I'll let Carrie know and then uh, I asked him for his email and I was like yo if you guys are working on something I'll send you beats and I sent him probably like 25 beats like, <laughs> <laughs> in like 25 different directions and uh, pretty much from that point on uh, we just kept in contact um, new call check in and it wasn't like a forceful relationship it was just kind of like if I needed something he like give his two cents or his advice or whatever. He would he would pick up the phone when you called. Yeah. So, um, and that relationship pretty much developed and Donald ended up getting on No Small Talk. Um, and then during the summer, fam was talking about coming to uh, visit. He was like, I want to check out Little Rock. I want to see like what's up with the city. And uh, so him and Donald ended up coming out there and we like, uh, <laughs> it's funny, we rolled around in uh, Carrie's mom's truck like just took him kind of like a little mini tour around the city and we went back to uh, my house because I was saying kind of in the hood area it's like southwest Little Rock but like uh, took him around there took my brother's Barber's College it's like just weird random places <laughs> around the city that's good let's go, let's go to this Barber's yeah because like because I, I was I was like yo I gotta pick I was like I gotta get my brother so like uh, 
<laughs> you want a haircut from Steve? You never given a haircut before? <laughs> so, so how old like, are you at, at, at this time? That was 2014. So I was... And this is like already after because of the internet? Yeah, this is after... because I think because the internet came out 2012, 2013 sometime. Yeah. Um, so this was like right before Kawhi because mm-hmm. uh, No Small Talk ended up on Stone Mountain Kawhi Project. Um, and so you all were driving around? Yeah, we're just driving around the city. And just, do you have a sense of like what they're like thinking about or like, or is it just like, I guess we'll just take this as it goes? Yeah. I, that, that, <laughs> honestly, it was one of those situations like, all right, I guess. I guess they were just like really it, curious. About yeah. I guess this is, but also it's like when you're from a place that's that small, you have a certain desire for people to just at least want to check it out. Yeah. And so, because sometimes rappers do come, or certain celebrities will come there. Because that's the weird thing about Little Rock. I don't know what it is, but like certain people will come there and be like, "Kind of like this place." Because like I think Dave Chappelle, when he made his like comeback, he did a show at uh, he did a show in Little Rock and was there for like a week. Just like chilling, like he was like people could see him be like, oh, I saw Dave Chappelle at a bar, like, <laughs> or just like uh, Michael Sarah, uh, Captain Jack Sparrow, uh, Johnny, Depp. Johnny Depp hangs that out in is Arkansas. A hilarious three person group, by the way. Really, Dave Chappelle, Michael Sarah, Johnny Depp, <laughs> just all getting their haircuts in a line. <laughs> so, I want you to continue the story of, of of him coming to town, but also keep. I'm, I'm curious, like. So you what? You're like 18 at this point, right? 18, uh, Actually, I'm a little older. I think I was 21 okay, at but, this point. But but still, like, a young guy from a relatively yeah. small town yeah. <laughs> who's, like, very passionate about the craft, but at the same time, kind of isolated. But, yeah. but then you have this moment of being affirmed. Yeah. And so how did that then, like, impact your, like, did it, did it make you want to do it more? Or did it, did it drive you to create in a different way? I think the main thing it was, it was kind of like a reaffirmation that I was on the right path, mm-hmm. if anything. Like, it was such a bizarre kind of thing to even, like, be like, yeah, Donald Glover came to my house. It's like, <laughs> like, like, but, like, uh, it was more so just a, like, a reaffirmation. It's like, yeah, you're on the right path. Keep doing what you're Does he also doing. just do this? Is he, like, just, like, visiting teenagers' houses in <laughs> small towns? <laughs> no, I think it was just... <laughs> that's the funny thing, because it's, like, it's... it's I can imagine that being a part of this process. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like, this week I'm in Bemidji, Minnesota, <laughs> Rochester, New York. Like, Catch me on Vermont next week. <laughs> Burlington. <laughs> but, yeah, so you you take him on this tour. Yeah, I think it was just more... It was, it's funny, because in a way, it's kind of just, like... The curiosity of being like, there's, there's these two kids from this yeah. city that we don't really know anything about, yeah. and they're making like they're making their own thing, and there's nothing really around that we've heard, and it doesn't like feel like anything we've heard before. It's kind of unique because like music at this point is like regionalism is dead. Every region doesn't really have a unique sound anymore, except for certain key spots. Like LA kind of kept their sound a little bit, but even LA is borrowed from the Bay. And, you yeah. know, Texas kind of kept its original sound. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, like it was just, I feel like that's what made them want to like be like, well, let's, let's check this place out. Like, what's up with this? Like, and I think part of what's so interesting about this like what now we can understand as a path, but like at the time you're saying it's so unexpected. Like it's not even something you can imagine, right? So it's not like you were like hitting his manager over and over again. Like, hey, check out my music, check out my music. The thing, because we were going back and forth on the phone about whether it was Nick stuff or just in general at Mm -hmm. that point. 
um and i'm just some you know random dude we'd never met in iowa yeah you're a little like was like you were so focused on trying to build around you mm -hmm. uh a community of people making art and like whether it was the putting on shows or i remember you talking about like beyond your own music what you were really excited about was like there would be these nights that you would put on that like felt like nothing that you'd ever seen in the city before. Mm. What were those shows, or more importantly than what the shows were like, like what were you imagining the city starting to build? Like, did you feel like there actually was this kind of critical mass of people really interested in making cool stuff? Yeah, I think the general idea of like creating a scene is kind of bringing together like-minded or even just individuals that aren't necessarily like-minded, but it's like y'all have similar interests, similar fields. It's like kind of putting y'all in the room together. So it's like certain people can meet each other and they might make something cool or certain people can be aware of each other and it kind of creates a system. And that's really what I wanted to do in the city is like create a world in which creatives could live and thrive and exist and like collab amongst each other or not collab amongst each other but they still are aware of each other and there's shows that people can attend which gets them more fans because like fans see your live show they're like oh i like that guy from last night i'm gonna go check out his music so it's just like creating a world that uh, just a thriving system that artists can propel you know how successful would you say like at let's say before you moved like how close to that being a thing that existed beyond you, do you feel like was there? Beyond me? Uh, I feel like it was, I feel like it's gained traction. Cause I mean, now to my knowledge, there wasn't any other young people doing hip hop shows and like creating a scene. So it was like me and my friends kind of helped kickstart that. And now it's like people, other people are throwing shows and it's like, that's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, it doesn't have to be just dependent on me. Like, I don't want it to be like me or nothing. Like, I want the show to keep going on because it's like I have to die someday. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's important. Like, I think that like we gotta talk about this sometimes. Like that, that honesty with yourself about yeah. like what life is, and yeah. how finite it is, is people's inability inability to like yeah. grasp that is where so much like the chaos comes from. Yeah, well, because <laughs> well, because you have to you have to realize it's a humbling. Yeah, so you have to realize it's like everything that you've kind of especially in this day and age, it's like we have the internet and all kinds of shit. So it's just like everything we have, other people built before us. Mm. We get to enjoy it. Mm. We don't get to enjoy them. It's like, I couldn't tell you who built the printer, <laughs> but I get to enjoy a printer yeah, now. Yeah. But it's just like, you know, so it's just like you people have to detach themselves from what they make in a way. Because it's just like, it's not about you. It's about what you're adding to lives of people that are going to exist beyond you you know i think there's a lot of wisdom in that and i think it's something that i could imagine being really hard to remember out here because like whenever anyone asks like so you know how are you what are you up to what you're expected to answer is like at least from my limited experiences like oh i just got this project or i'm doing this yeah. like your work is your creativity is your identity is your ego it like all gets yeah wrapped up it's funny, especially being being out here is funny too, just because it's like people like people ask a lot of the same questions. So it's like even being interviewed isn't weird to me just because it's like that's kind of how it is just talking to people because it's like, yeah, because it's just like, oh, what have you been up to? It's just like, no, nah, I have to explain this same story to 10 other people. <laughs> is that like, kind of the worst? It's not even the worst. I just wish people asked 
more interesting questions. Like, well, I want to go back to tell me about Donald. No. <laughs> <laughs> what what else? What is the the? Let's be more specific about that because I what is, what are some of the questions that you get the most that you're most annoyed with, and what what is a question that you would love? Um, what's something you would like to talk about i know i I know people ask a lot i mean it's just like i don't get bothered by just like the -the run-of-the-mill questions it's like the basic questions is like how have you been what are you up to like how'd you get here just certain questions like that but it's like if i want to know a person i'm gonna ask more in-depth questions you know what i'm saying like (laughs) instead of just blanket questions like i could give you those answers but what do you do with those answers it's like what have you taken away from those answers so this is like it's an odd interview question, but it's to what we're saying. Like in the in this moment, in the last couple of weeks, like what what ideas have you been really chewing over? What have you been thinking about that's on your mind? On my mind lately, uh, like I don't know. I've been in like weird spaces in my mind lately. Like uh, I've been really getting into just trying to figure out psychology in relation to music mm. and like understand. How'd you start down that rabbit hole? As I've gotten older and I understand, like, I don't know, I took a step back and understood music from a different standpoint and understood why people, like, what, like, because I always had this joke, like, everybody around me, like, I'm always saying, like, certain songs aren't hits. So I'll be like, yeah, that person doesn't have any hits. And it's and it's true because it's like a hit is a song that it's like it's certain, certain, it's a certain science to making a hit. It's like does the melody repetitive enough for an eight-year-old to sing or are the lyrics interesting enough for a 60-year-old to be like, I like this song. Like, there's just something, it's always something personal in there or just like, it's so many things that make a song a great, like, hit song. Whether people like it or not, it's certain songs are hits regardless. Like, if an eight-year-old could pick this song up and be like, I like this. Like, because kids, that's the thing about kids. It's like, they're very critical mm. because that's they just say whatever's on their mind <laughs> and they react how they react. They don't react based off of how their friends react. They react based off of how they act because kids are at an internal stage until they start going, you know, middle school and high school. And then that's when they're in, they're affected by what their friends think. You know, God, I remember being a camp counselor and kids like have this amazing ability to like find the thing you're most insecure about and <laughs> say it to your face. <laughs> like, like, you look funny today. <laughs> it's like, well, look, we're, <laughs> we're going to the park. Just deal with the fact that my face looks funny to you. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like, uh, but even understanding also, and also understanding music on a level of like, as far as age, uh, we're all kind of gapped, uh, like on what we listen to. It's like an eight-year-old's favorite rapper might be Fetty Wap. Somebody who's my age might their favorite rapper might be like Kendrick Lamar or something. But somebody who's older than me, they might like say somebody who's I'm 24, so it's like somebody who's 34 is probably gonna be like I don't know. Uh, Nas is my favorite rapper. We were just talking about like we're gonna get close to the point that the music that we love is going to be on the like oldies grown station. Definitely. I can't fucking wait. Definitely. <laughs> from like all of the hip hop and R&B from like 92 to 08 to just be like break the format. <laughs> Man. 
No, I, I feel like, I feel like it's happening because like uh, ninety four seven. Uh, it's like I guess it's like an R and B station, and they play oldies. But like you hear like certain cuts from like the nineties, and you be like, "Dang, this is yeah, kind of." We got a city. Yeah, we got a, um, a station in Chicago called V one hundred three, and they like starting to play Biggie and shit. It's like, uh, yeah. And they used to be like, "No hip hop. <laughs> we are the no hip hop station." But, but that's the thing. It's like even rap is reaching a level where it's like everybody's. It's not dangerous anymore. It's everybody. It's acceptable because at first, like, this is just like rock and roll, like Elvis. Could you imagine Elvis is like something edgy? It's like, there's <laughs> nothing about Elvis is edgy. <laughs> like Elvis is about as, as bland as it gets. Like congressional hearings. And yeah, like like or even just thinking about like Eminem back in the day. It's like he was getting like people were rioting against him. Like people were like, like there was activism against Eminem. It's like Tyler did like Eminem died for Tyler's sins. It's like Tyler didn't have to deal with that. He didn't have to have like the news being like Tyler, the creator, uh, the women's activists are against his lyrics. They're burning his CDs and all this crazy stuff. It's like rap is now at a point where it's like, even people who are like 60, 70, they're like, oh, I like 50 oh, I, I saw Hamilton. Like, yeah, it's just like, yeah, basically. So it's just like, and rap is that. So now I it's think like. I understand the African-American experience. <laughs> so how does thinking about that and knowing that that has changed and kind of doing the zoom out of what makes a hit. How is that impacting right now, like the music that you're trying Your to craft. make? Yeah, um, it makes me look at music from a different uh, perspective. Like, because um, I read this um, like two years ago, I read this book by because uh, I started reading it. It's funny because like I always start reading a book and then I get inspired like midway reading the book. <laughs> it's just time to get to work. I can't finish that shit. <laughs> <I'm> like, Gotta go. <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, like uh, it's this book called uh, How Music Works by David Buren from uh, Talking Heads. And he just like breaks down music from like a kind of a scientific way. Like he explains how music worked for the venue that it was intended for. Is like, that something somebody who like doesn't have expertise already could understand? Uh, definitely. Because it just because it's not even like you don't even have to be a musician to understand the book and that was what was cool about it and there's even pictures in there and just like it's a really interactive book i don't it. read anything unless it's <laughs> ergo reading list though like, so we'll throw it on there so no. on the website we have a section called ergo reading list you can find the info for that and buy it right through there for sure but yeah um so you were thinking about that and and, and in terms of how it's in, informing how you're making things right yeah um so it kind of put uh music in like in a complete world for me like it mm. wasn't just me making a song and trying to figure because i feel like a lot of as an artist a lot of your job is like not knowing anything but once you understand what to know then you understand what you need to know and i think that's the thing it's also like when your job is being a human being that's also yeah. the, the description <laughs> not true. Knowing anything. true but even like because because like art is something we as humans created and we find special it's like, because if somebody came from another planet, they'd be like, what, what is this? Yeah. But it's something that we created and we made special and understanding why it connects to us the way it does is what I'm trying to like get to the bottom of. This so zoom out, sorry to cut you off, Dan, but like this zoom out that you're doing is super interesting. Being like, the thing that informs how I make anything now is I have to understand the way music like fits into both like psychology and history and like social theory, basically, and mm. trying to understand all that. Is that ever like, 
I could imagine that being a little paralyzing also. Like I have to make the perfect thing out of all these instead of just trusting your own ability to make something that's moving. It can be paralyzed. What I've realized is not just because of the way I look at things. And also like my temperament is usually like I my ups and downs aren't as dramatic. It's usually I'm out of five most of the time and maybe <laughs> I'll be super depressed one day and be at straight one. But like for the most part, I can. Nines and 10s? So, well, if I'm mad, sometimes I get it like a, I'm like super turned. Or if I'm excited or something like that, I'm like, you know, I'm drunk. Drunk me is that. <laughs> drunk me is like eight or nine. Okay. <laughs> but it's also an internal thing. And that's also the understanding through, I guess, me understanding myself while understanding music is understanding that perfection is just an idea. And I have this idea in my head and me trying to make what I think in my head is the perfect song or the perfect uh, way to do things it's just an illusion at the end of the day if I don't reach that I'm personally like I'm disappointed in myself but if somebody else is like well this is perfect to me they love it so yeah, it's you like don't know what'll move someone else how, how have you found ways to work through that because like it's it's one thing to intellect like on an intellectual level understand like yeah. I can't be perfect right? yeah but like once you feel that like this is not how do you get through that I think the biggest thing is just remembering is like, for one, everything is temporary. Music is infinite. Like time is infinite. So it's just like, I'm 24. Like I can still make music until I'm 84 or something. Like uh, I have my great grandfather was a pianist. He played piano until probably the day he died. He died like 92. So it was like, I can make music forever. So it's like not worrying about time sensitivity and not worrying about, oh, I should have did this or I should have did that. I should have did this. It's just like get that idea out and move on to the next idea. Yeah, I, th I think it's really impressive and it's, it's really obvious that like you are intentionally like in a long struggle, right? Yeah. And process. I want to go back a little bit. What was the space the time and like the relationships when you first stepped into this artistic identity? What, what was your entry point? Did you start writing? Did you start, you mentioned earlier before the interview that you played trumpet. What was the moment where like music and art was something that you were like, all right, I, I am going to do this. Um, well, for starters, I grew up kind of in a musical household. Like my parents like bought a lot of music. Like we had, we used to have a crazy CD collection, like, probably hundreds upon hundreds of CDs. So it's just like my parents always play music, all genres. My mom used to sing uh, late because like later, once I started getting older, she started learning how to play piano and guitar. So it was like, there's a lot of musical oh, influence. And, and even the, learning as an adult. Yeah. That's a good example. To I would say the entry point was because uh, like I played trumpet, but it was kind of like, it, you know, like when you're a kid and you're like, I want to do this. And then you're like, well, this isn't as fun as I thought it was going to be cool because originally when I went... What do you mean I need to practice? Yeah, no, I want to play trumpet. <laughs> right. And that was kind of my attitude when I was younger. I was just like, why am I practicing? I just want to be good at this. Like, I think Alan Iverson speaks for all of us. <laughs> Not a game. It's practice. Not no, the game I, I, I go I, all I, out for. Because <laughs> I'm big to defend Alan Iverson in that moment. But I, that's a it, it, it was, it was let's, a fair, let's not it was, go left. That was a fair moment. But uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I if I but I really wish as a kid because I feel like kids now need to understand what they do now in relation to what they're gonna do in the in the future. Because it's like if somebody would approach me like 
yeah, this trumpet may not seem fun, but you can actually make a living out of playing trumpet. Like you can start your own band because there's mad jazz bands and, you know, or you could play for a, a famous marching band or you can be in the military. You could play like they're, they 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 should give kids, yeah, they should give kids tangible options of, and realistic, because that's the thing, it's like, or even like being an artist, like I almost went to art school, so it's like, if I would have known I could actually do art from, if I would have understood branding and somebody would explain me, oh, okay, you make a brand, like you make a certain type of art, like start making themes and all this stuff, you know, talk to art gallery owners, put your art up and then build your way up. I could have easily been an artist, but it's like nobody explained that to me. So it's just like, I wish I would have gotten that as a kid because I would have probably stuck with Trump and understood. It's like, oh, this is why I need to practice because I need to be better in the future. But uh, I say the official (laughs) starting point was probably around shortly after I got a trumpet because I got a trumpet when I was like 12 I think around 13 14 I started uh producing because I was like really obsessed with being a producer like uh do you remember where that obsession came from I did uh I went to a studio once uh because I've been in studios like hella since I was young but like I remember I was like 12 and my mom and because my mom's friend was a Christian rapper and like shout out to the Christian rappers. <laughs> Tough job. <laughs> shout out yo, shout out to Lecrae. Side oh, note. I know. Lec- oh, that's he talking about? No, he's No, note. you just just Yeah, just yeah. Just general shout out. <laughs> Keep fighting what might be the good fight. <laughs> but uh but now I went to the studio and there was this dude um and he just had a cool, like, little studio. He was just making beats. And I was, just thought it was the coolest thing. I was like, this guy gets to make beats all day. I was like, this is what I really want to do. I was like, rapping's cool. But this stuff, this is awesome. And uh, I remember uh, seeing Scott Storch. Uh, wow. I remember Scott Storch is my hero. Like, <laughs> <laughs> It's funny. Like, at- <laughs> should your, We should, like, cut that. That should be your job. Or, like... <laughs> Like, <laughs> he's gotta be somewhere out here or maybe he's in my no no he actually he actually made a comeback it's kind of crazy because it's like back then he was on top of the world because like he did all the Dre records he got a Grammy with the Roots like Scott Storch because I think at the time he was, oh, yeah, at the the yeah at the time Scott Storch was making $150,000 a track and he had like hella songs on the radio. And I just thought that was the craziest thing. I was like, there would be dude, no DJ County. Yeah, Storch. that's the thing. It's like Scott Storch like created a Miami resurgence just by being a producer. And I thought that was that whole thing. And then also Alchemist. Alchemist was another person because like Alchemist made beats. I love Mob Deep and he produced mad records from Mob Deep. He just bought all the nicest, newest Jordan, smoked mad weed. Uh and just made beats and rap whenever you wanted to. And I was like, I have to be this guy. That sounds like a life. <laughs> I was like, so somewhere between Alchemist. way better than practicing trumpet. <laughs> I was like, somewhere between Alchemist, Scott Storch. And then Kanye came out, you know, he was like the glorious producer rapper. So I was just like, and somewhere in between those three, I was like, yeah, this is my future. What was the first, I, I love this question, to pat myself on the back. What, 
What was the first? <laughs> yeah, you even get it out yet. Shit. Get off yourself, kid. Get ready, everybody. Have a seat. If you're listening, just take a second. If you're driving, pull over. No, but what's the first CD you ever bought with your own money? And what's the first CD you ever asked your parents to buy you? First CD I ever bought with my own money. Uh, it's actually funny. The first CD I actually, because I I used to be such a pirate because I grew up in the LimeWire. Uh, yeah, I think we all grew Shout up in the LimeWire days. <laughs> uh, yeah, so like once I was able to, like once I started driving, I was like, you know what? I don't have a, I don't have a, a well, actually, no, I had a CD player. I didn't, did I have a tape player? I think I had a tape player. Yeah, I did have a tape player. I had a tape player and a CD player. And I was like, I could do aux, but I don't have an aux cord. And I didn't realize you can get the tape adapter thing. So I was like, well, I need to get a CD. So I ended up getting a Dale's 19. I think that was the first CD I bought in my first. Those are some like emotional drives. Just like cruising through she the rock. She has B-Tracks on 19 yeah. too, if I recall. I just really like how pretty 19 sound. It was sounded so raw and just like certain elements I really liked. And like back in those days, I was definitely sampling super heavy. So it'd be like certain records that I attached to because it was just like, I just like, because like, I don't know, it's like her music's weird because you can loop it in certain parts mm-hmm. and it like, I don't know, has a whole different feel to it. I don't know. But what was the first one when, let's say even younger that you asked your parents to, or like pleaded for? The first album I asked my parents to get, um, I don't know. I think it's it was not that good a question. It's <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I take a step off my pedestal. <laughs> not that good a question. I think the first album I was like one. It was uh, I think it was Lil Romeo. Wow, I hated Lil Romeo as as a Bow Wow fan back in the day. It, I thought he was... I actually I think it was both of them because I I want to say I got uh, both you... of them. You play both sides of the fence. I, yeah, I, I uh, think no. I got both albums. <laughs> I, I, actually, I take, y'all both play both. No, 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 you didn't no, no. I take that stand? back. I take that back. I take that back. My mom wouldn't I didn't even ask thing. for them. I I just ended up getting them somehow. Both of those albums. I think the first album I asked for was Creed. Even funnier. Wow. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember for Christmas I got a Creed album and a CD player. And that's all you hear. That's that all was the it. thing when you had like one CD and you just that was music to you anyway we can we can zoom back up to the present because we kind of like interrupted the story the progression a little bit and we don't have to it's do what we do we don't have to do the whole like, interrupters <laughs> our new podcast. oh no shout out to Kartemkun films with the film the interrupt you know that movie that sounds familiar it's no. about like like what mask in the city that we're like when someone gets shot they like go to the spot and like camp out there so that there's no retaliation oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. we are not we're not those interrupters though we're not those. <laughs> but you're talking about you driving Donald around, and eventually one thing leads to another. We don't need to as much or as little as you want to share, but you find your way out here. I could imagine some of the perspective that you talked about about having the zoomed out, like long-term vision, comes in contrast to like how the pressure of being out here and like trying to like quote make it. Yeah. Was there like a tough time initially finding your kind of your sea legs under you and getting settled out here? I think uh, the biggest thing being out here, cause I was like blessed to be in like a good little situation out here. Like I had a place to stay when I moved out here. Um, so like, I didn't have to, I, I didn't have to worry about uh, the same problems I did being back home. Like it was a, uh, it was basically 
certain worries being replaced with new worries like <laughs> like almost like to the saying is like more money more problems it's like it's not even the money that becomes a problem it's like all the things that come with the like the leveling up of getting more money so it's like like moving out here was a huge step but it was also a weird step because it's like I kind of have a safety net but also I'm not necessarily utilizing it and so you and Carrie moved out here together, right? Yeah. So we, yeah, because we both moved out here and we ended up staying at uh, our management's uh, office, basically. It was like a house that was also an office. But like, um, it's it's kind of like a shock to be like, yeah, I've been trying to be a professional musician and now I'm actually it, I guess. <laughs> right, but it's not like you, there's no diploma for it. Yeah, it's not even like somebody like is there to like certify you like, oh, well done. Like you you made your 401k. Yeah, you, you, yeah, it's just like, well, now you can do this full time, I guess. Yeah, and, like you got that, like when people talk about like a break. Yeah, yeah. It, I, not to take away from all the work, but you actually like the thing that never happens that everyone thinks is going to happen kind of yeah, happened. Yeah. And then you still go like, oh, there's then all these other things that I have to still do after. Like, it's not just like set in stone now that I'm good. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of like Charlie's Chocolate Factory because it's like Charlie got the golden ticket, but he still had to go through the factory to realize, like, to actually get, you know, to like, a part of the chocolate factory. Because this gloop had to fall into the chocolate. I know. See, and that's <laughs> you the thing. You had to lose yeah. some people on the, on the way. <laughs> Got to lose some people on the way, but not. Nah. Some people get lost in the, in the fizzy lifting drink bottle, you know. <laughs> Too much blue bubble gum. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, and I think that was, that was the weird thing because it's like, it's a big break, but it's also, it's like, it's just the beginning because here I am and I'm still not even near like a big break per se. It's just been like steps towards a big break. And it's like getting an opportunity to even be able to access a big break. And I think that's the biggest thing. So what does that look like for you now? When you think about, forget about big break, but what you want to be doing, what is driving you, what are you excited about hopefully happening? I'm excited about seeing like how my music affects people and then also i'm excited to see what i can add to the table for other people's music as well because um at a certain point i realize i'm like yeah i need to work on my production to make it make sense because i've always had potential but it's like once you start getting older you start to realize it's like yeah i'm running out of potential time <laughs> it's like you want to just actually reach whatever's past potential it's like this is what where things need to be the like switch from potential to like missed opportunity yeah definitely (laughs) oh yeah no that that fucking kills me on a day-to-day but to to, (laughs) before we before we go down that rabbit hole nah but um on the vein of like vision and and what you see for yourself um to go outside of the music first kind of like a little two-part question we're really big on like reshaping culture and um, envisioning the world you, we want to see and then creating that. So this is a crazy time right now for all people. Right? Um, and a lot of things are, sh- are changing really fast. What are two to three things you imagine in the world you want to see? What are two or three things that are part of the world that you want? And then after that, how does your work kind of tie into that? It doesn't have to. It could just be outside of you. Um, I want people to 
be aware. I think that's the biggest thing for me because I think I like, especially just working within music lately and like I was explaining, like going into music psychology is understanding how people are aware of information or aware of certain things. And it's just like, I would like for people to be more aware of everything around them and on even on a musical level where it's like, there are other genres outside of hip hop and R and B, or there's other genres outside of country music. Or not all country music is bad. It's just like that's a t-shirt. Mu- right there. Not yeah. all country music is bad. Yeah, because it's like yeah, because it's like there's several people who are like I love every kind of music except for country and hardcore. It's just like I literally love every kind of music because every genre has certain special gems in there that you may. Uh, attached to it's like i can listen to a brazilian record and go listen to craft work and go listen to faith hill because it's all music and that's the thing it's like allowing people to understand it's like the world is so big and music is so big so it's like experiencing certain certain types of sounds certain types of vibes music and just broadening that world when did you realize the world was so big because it seems like even before like the the cliche answer is like I moved to LA and everything got, but I feel like that was, no. even in our conversations way back, you were already thinking, not even like on, we got to take over this global scale, yeah. but if you were just like paying attention to what was happening in all kinds of spaces. Two things. I think I was kind of born understanding that the world's big because it's like before I was born, my dad lived in Germany and Panama. I kind of had to know where those places were. When I was younger, I was like, wow, that was kind of far. And uh, <laughs> it's kind of far. And then it's the most. <laughs> and then both my parents, both uh, they kind of it's weird because it's ever since like growing up, they both spoke German, Spanish, and English, which is bizarre that they both shout out up, mom and dad. Yeah, I'm hearing some cool things about mom and pops. Shout out squad. Shout out, yeah. Shout out, <laughs> shout out to them. Shout out to them. Yeah, they kept me very multicultural. Especially, I think, being, my parents being in the military and understanding, once you understand the military and the fact that it's like we kind of took over the world in a way, <laughs> you understand how really big the world is. And even understanding everything from just like history, because I used to be really into history. So it's like I could tell you all kinds of stuff about the Nazis. Like I've researched a little bit about the diaspora. <laughs> Uh, like just certain things. So it's just, you just understand culture, just understanding culture of different places and reading a lot and just like internet, like once the internet was introduced, you could just Google or ask Jeeves back in the day. Hey Jeeves. <laughs> but you mentioned the history side and the, even the psych stuff you were talking about earlier. Do you feel any kind of pull, whether it's something to do in the future or something you wish you'd done about going to you know college more formally and doing that through? It sounds like you would have killed that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not really. Well, I, only thing I regret about not going to college is being able to experience and meet other people in college. Because that one week I did go to college, it's like, even just like, I, hit, I know Damon now. So it's just like <laughs> being able to experience being in a place where it's like a bunch of other people that are trying to figure themselves out too. And Most y'all, of them were really whack though. Nah, yeah, yeah, but I mean, yeah. but that, but that's, that's also so the, but, yeah, learning that. Yeah, this <laughs> <laughs> is whack everywhere. There's <laughs> whack people everywhere. But like, Shout but out. I mean, but that's also LA to an extent, and that's why True. LA, LA is like. I'm glad I didn't come here at 18, but it would college would have been that equivalent because it's like being here is like being in college because it's like you're away from your family, you're 
forced to figure things out. A lot and of you're, other people yeah, also. And you're also in a city full of a million other people who are in the exact same spot you are. Yeah. And they're trying to figure shit out. Which can be exciting and also really daunting. Yeah. Being out here was my college experience in a way because it was like being able to be like, all right, this is what I need to focus on. This is what I need to learn. Oh, I'm interested in this. Let me check this out. And just being able to have that freedom to do that. What were some of the the myths or the kind of expectations you had for the city? It's funny. Because like I used to come here as a kid because um, my family lived in South Central. So like most of the time I came out here, I went either there. And I think one time we went to Anaheim because we went to Knott's Berry Farm. But for the most part, I stayed in like... You spend a lot of time in Knott's Berry Farm these days? I'm kidding. I don't. I, would, I need to go. I haven't been to a single theme park since I moved here. <laughs> Can you believe that? I've been here for like almost three years and never been to a theme park. I can't think of the last time I've been to a theme park. It's <laughs> like not unusual to me at all. Man, totally right. Nah, sorry. We're about to keep cutting you off. Speak, yo, this is just like such a happy, I, we're, like, we're going to talk a little bit about like how it's complicated, yeah. but this is such a happy place. We've, in like two backyards, seeing yeah. people with their own bouncy house. Yeah. It's like fun. not like a block party, not like like just kids in the backyard just kicking it on a bouncy house. <laughs> no. <laughs> like fucking theme park. We got we have a bouncy house at home. That no, that's like I'm the sorry. that's the funny thing about like uh like I think the the interest, most interesting part about being here is understanding how like this place is such a polar place because it's like mm-hmm. There's so much good and so much dark shit, too. Mm-hmm. Just do a Google search on, like, dark L.A. history, and you just learn some of the craziest shit. It's like, this whole damn city is haunted. Yeah. Like, the whole city is haunted. That's what happens <laughs> when you, like, build a place from scratch in the 50s. Like, that's yeah. crazy. Like, this city was literally a capitalist idea. In the way that Vegas is, like, but it's, like, worse here just because it's, like, this is still masqueraded as the greatest place on Earth. Even like the valley, like I don't know if you guys been to the valley, but like the valley was created because these two guys ended up, they just got, it was just a bunch of just abandoned land and they were, they got it for super cheap and just built a irrigation system and just started popping up suburbs. And ever since then, the valley just grew. That's just so nuts, the like how recent it is. And I'm from the East Coast, even Chicago to an extent. And I, I wonder about Little Rock because it is, you know, there is that kind of long and storied history that isn't. But just what does it do to how people think about place where they live and the place that they're in and the city they're in when it all just kind of feels surreal all the time? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's also the other thing because it's like being being in Little Rock. It's like life is pretty simple for the most part. It's like you kind of get the gist of life. It's nothing. Nothing really feel like things that feel surreal are surreal. Like ghosts or like I seen UFOs back home. Like, <laughs> like we waited 55 minutes to get to this. <laughs> Where and when did you see a UFO? All right, check this. I've seen UFOs like three or four times. Two times back home, two times <laughs> out here. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's so weird. Like it's the first time I saw one was I was in the car with my mom. We're driving home from church, I think. It was like dark outside. And I just remember, I don't even know what, like, you know, when you see something in the sky, you just like, <laughs> like, am I seeing this or am I tripping? And then like somebody beside you was like, wait, do you see that? So, and it was like one of those moments. What did it look like? Do you remember? It was like, it was like three flashing red beams. It was like, like a flashing light. And I was trying, like, I lived on military bases. So I'm like, no, it's not that. It's, I don't think it's that. And so I'm just like, looks like it could be a plane. I was like, nah, planes don't look like that from below. 
military vehicle and i'm like i know what they look like and they don't have flashing lights like that like they're not going to be that bright and also the military base is there's not really a military base or the air force base but it was like flying in a different direction i was like it's not going towards the base i don't know where this is going and then like we just having to roll the window down and it was dead sound like there was no sound coming from it like a- no no sound outside at all <laughs> like, <laughs> like like you can't even hear the car like there's like dead silence like <laughs> yeah. and me and my mom are just like <laughs> okay this is my favorite, this is my favorite thing ever. so your mom so your mom this was like this yeah yeah it was like yeah we were experiencing it together that's what made it great because we were just both like all right so i guess that was a ufo okay cool <laughs> And then the second time I was in the car, <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was the end of it. I was just like, all right, chalked it up. The second time I was in the car with uh, Carrie and a friend of mine named uh, Julio. And, shout out uh, Julio. Shout out to Julio. Doc Casino. Um, he, uh, no, yeah, we were all in the car. We were driving, I was driving my car and uh, cause I was dropping both of them home cause they live off in the same neighborhood. And, um, I was driving and I just saw something and they were like, yo, do you see that? I was like, yeah, it's just following us too. It's weird. Cause that was also the thing. It's just like, it hovers. Like it's like a weird hovering thing over your car. Cause you know, like airplanes, they don't hover. They just go like in my experience. Not all airplanes. It was just like kind of hovering around the area, but it wasn't a helicopter. So I was like super confused. And it was just, and it was like kind of the same situation. It was like, it was probably all of 30 miles away from the last one I saw. So I was so like, there's either something happened in Arkansas. Do you think this is about you? I hope. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> to be honest with you, I have no clue. Oh my God, Malik, what is it? <laughs> but no, um, yeah, so that that was another time. The third time uh, I was out here, the, the third time I was out here, and uh, it was when I was, I was staying in uh, Hollywood Hills at the time. Um, and I like, I woke up for some reason at like four in the morning and like, I was like, why the hell am I awake at four in the morning? So like, I just got up, walked out the door and took a smoke break. And as soon as like I lit my cigarette, this blue light just shot up the hills and then like it just disappeared. And I was just like, what the hell is that? If you would have seen how the house was built, like, cause the house, you couldn't see any of, you can't see the house from anything but a helicopter. Cause it's like all our, everything surrounding the house is basically covered by trees or something. Shout out to trees. You have no idea all oh week I've been talking about you. I'm not going to get started. But <laughs> shout out to the trees. Shout out to the trees. <laughs> no, no. Can you please explain this? And I want to, we'll come back for, for right. UFO number four, but. But yo, all right. So like the whole like global warming shit, right? Right. So more or less to simplify, we're putting all these CO, all the yeah. CO2 in the air and it's trapping heat into yeah. the atmosphere. But. And so when we talk about global warming, yeah. we always talk about like, let's stop pumping oil. Let's, yeah. let's get some wind turbines. Let's do some, some water type things. But nobody talks about the fact that there is something designed to suck up CO2. Like that's what trees do by nature. If we just plant it 
hella trees. Yeah, but you also have, wouldn't it all be good? But that's but that's the thing. Also, that I'm realizing because I think that's the thing that makes me most depressed as a human being is understanding that's like you can't explain simple things to most people. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's like such a simple like, like if I don't you hear told that, that to a child, ever, like Obama didn't say yeah. nothing. Like yo, trees. Yeah, but that's the thing. Is like Hold if you simple. told that to if you explain that to a child. They'd be like, oh, this makes sense. Let's plant trees. Why don't we plant trees? Why aren't there more trees to deal with this you very big You explain this problem? to an adult, they're going to be like, what, what are you talking orgy? about? Like, they're, they're not even going to want to understand where you're coming from just because it's like trying to explain to people like, hey, you can't just keep building things and tearing things down and expect no consequences. Like, trees though. And that's the thing. It's like the rainforest. Like as children, we were taught the rainforest is disappearing. They don't even talk about it anymore. It's still disappearing. They just stop talking about it. They're like reappear. <laughs> right? Like they're not replanting anything. I'm like, why do you think so many kids have all these upper respiratory disease? I'm like, why do you think we have heart disease? I think every, I'm like, your heart and your lungs work yeah. together. It's like we need oxygen. We need oxygen. That's we're the whole other part. Not it. only does it suck up CO, it gives you oxygen. That's like mm. the best deal. We suck. We're the one breathing out the poison. But yeah, I think every person yeah. in, on the planet, all seven billion or whatever, should be responsible to find somewhere. Definitely. Because I mean, we're essentially just sitting in a car, revving up the engine with the, like sitting in a car in a garage, revving up the engine. And eventually we're going to die of carbon dioxide poison. And until then, we're just chilling in the car, listening to tunes. <laughs> like, <laughs> back to the UFO. <laughs> UFO number four. All right. UFO number four is the weirdest one. Cause like I was at the beach, um, Marina Del Rey. And I was like, with a friend of mine and like, we're just chilling. And like, mind you, I'm hot. Uh, here's the here's here's the, here's the unfair part of this. Nah, stuff. that doesn't discredit. No, no. Here's the thing: because <laughs> anytime you tell this type of story, people try to discredit it. But I'm like, I'm the same person on or off drugs. So it's just like, I'm willing let's to get go this straight. <laughs> Look, we made it three <laughs> UFO. <laughs> so the fourth one. So I just happen to I happen to Look, take. This is where I draw the line. <laughs> All right. So here's the thing: super, super. Because oh no, I took shrooms that day. That's what it was. Shout out. Shout out to shrooms. Shrooms Shout are the, out to the shrooms. shrooms. If you, for those of you who aren't into psychedelics or don't know anything about psychedelics, shrooms is the gateway drug to psychedelics. Well, that has a bad connotation, though. Well, because here's the thing, and also that, <laughs> and I don't mean that in a bad connotation, but it's like it it opens it, it gateway in a good thing in a good way. Think about gates of heaven. <laughs> <laughs> so uh with with uh usually with cycloblend mushrooms um you get uh it's a heightened high so if you take a marijuana you know marijuana doesn't really change your reality it's more so everything may be funnier or it's just it's just heightened senses essentially it's Last just like rap game ben carson out here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's basically like with most drugs it's mostly heightened senses except for you know salvia is i don't know what the fuck salvia is uh certain drugs will take you out of your human form like salvia or sherm or just certain drugs but for the most part psychedelics they just unlock certain parts of your brain that you weren't used to using because it's like humans only use a certain percentage of their brain. But on shrooms, you unlock certain things in your brain that react to your insides and also react to... Because it, it's kind of you you dealing with who you are as a person in the inside. And then all of reality 
Yeah, and then also <laughs> in, tan- yeah, in, in tangent with also understanding the reality around you. So, and yeah. This yes. is becoming my favorite interview. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, so the the key to the, the key to shrooms is being in nature because as humans we have a, such a disconnect now more than ever we have such a disconnect with nature mm-hmm. and as as i feel like where we started is where we were in tune with nature like we we knew how to hunt animals because it, your life depended on it so you knew how to become that animal so it's like because i'm part native american so it's just like i knew my ancestors hunted and gathered so it's just like you have an understanding of nature you know what's to the gathering we, we, we always no but the gather the gathering part is important because it's like even just like people think about berries it's like now we're gonna enjoy strawberries and blueberries it was like somebody had to figure out what you could and could not eat it's like people forget that it's like somebody had to die from eating something that they weren't supposed to eat so it's just like a few times. Like a few times. <laughs> Steve wasn't feeling good before he ate this stuff. Steve was green last Thursday. In his face. Not, put this on the strawberry. But yeah, so like. Also, shouts out to all the California berry pickers. Right. Shout out. Let's, let's be real. <laughs> so uh so basically back to it. Uh <laughs> humans can connection with nature. So it's like psychedelics bring you back into connection with the nature of the world around you whereas like for example the guys who invented dna who figured out what dna is they took acid and that's what led them to that discovery because it unlocked certain parts of their brain so anyway long story short we're at the beach off shrooms having a good time saw seal never saw seal in my life so that was kind of a weird experience because i was like do seals like people do they kill people <laughs> like i'm like i've never lived at the beach before so i don't know how this ecosystem works it was an iso and I <laughs> so then like because mind you there's an airport near uh marina del rey is not that far from inglewood where's the uh lax is so it's like seeing airplanes isn't bizarre because it's like yeah, they're landing literally right next to you to the point that it looks scary as hell like is this thing gonna hit me so like we're just chilling and like I see a few planes, but it's this one object. Like it looked like a fucking Andromeda spaceship situation. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like I can't even remotely explain this shit because I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck this is. Because it's like this shit is a fucking spacecraft or some sort or some. Yeah, because so I'm yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking at this shit <laughs> like yeah, I'm just like I don't know what the fuck this is. I just hope it doesn't spot me. That's all I'm wishing for. I will say this is the least convincing of the four to me personally. Not I'm not trying to tear you down on this. <laughs> the shrooms and your identification near an airport seem but that's incompatible. What 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 makes it incompatible though? You were off shrooms. He doesn't know though. That's true. But true, true. But see, (laughs) but also to be fair, if somebody else does shrooms, then they'll understand. So it's like if you if you disbelieve, (laughs) go do shrooms. Trip for a few hours. We'll be here. SoundCloud.com slash Ergo Radio. (laughs) But yeah, so like, yeah, like, and it just landed off in somewhere i don't know at the end of the day it may not be a ufo it may be uh elon musk's new invention that he hasn't talked about (laughs) 
I just know it was a UFO as far as I'm concerned. It was a, an a object I could remotely you, you identify. Could right? <laughs> <laughs> I remotely could identify. I just remember. You're not saying it's a spaceship, but you are saying it's unidentified. I'm not saying it came from aliens. I'm just saying it's a spacecraft. That's all I'm saying. I don't know that. (laughs) So I I know we're winding down. I got probably a couple more questions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know what? What we got to do? It's it's beautiful out here. Um, (laughs) But um, so you're 24 now. Yeah, I'm 24. I'm about to be 25 this year. Seen a bunch of UFOs. You're living at a different place. Yeah. What would 24 year old Malik tell 14 year old Malik? 24-year-old Malik would tell 14-year-old Malik to read a lot more. That's tough. How would 14-year-old Malik accept that? (laughs) (laughs) That's a boring boring thing for the future. (laughs) I mean, love, I'll probably tell 14-year-old David the same thing. I got nothing to tell you about Twitter, nothing. Trump, you got books, really? (laughs) I don't know. I have a weird relationship with you. You've got a library card. That's the best you got? The future sucks. Nah, uh, (laughs) no, well, because I say that just because it's like if you read at four, like if you read a lot at those ages, then it doesn't feel like a task when you're. 24 it doesn't feel like oh, i'm going out of my way to read a book it's like oh this is my normal routine you know so it's just like building certain routines uh i would have told him uh get used to washing dishes gonna have to- <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna work as a dishwasher at 22 um <laughs> um what else would i tell 14 year old me just- or like what's what's a great yeah like a lesson you've learned about uh, let's say a lesson you've learned about creating um creating um don't be afraid to try like experiment like in the creative process just like try even the most unorthodox things try different instruments just tr- don't be in a box musically ever here's one more of those greatest lesson what's like what's the greatest lesson you've learned about collaboration collaboration or relying on people i'm just thinking about like you you know between your partnership with carrie and the relationship with donald like people have all i could imagine all kinds of assumptions about like how that works and the like let's build fam type thing that's ironic because you're the manager (laughs) but but yeah like what what have you learned about how to actually make things together with people um honestly it's funny that i I feel like ever since I've been like getting deeper into like learning more about psychology, I it helps more in production and in the songwriting and all that stuff more than ever. Because even like understanding why a person is who they are, why they attach to certain sounds and why their music sounds. Because like for instance, like I was in the car with a dude, uh, Steve Lacey from the internet. And it was like, I've heard his music. Like, cause it was actually the first time we met. And I heard his music, but also he was just playing stuff that he likes to listen to in his everyday. Like, and it's like, then you understand it's like, oh, this is why you make this type of music, because this is what you listen to. And a lot of times it's like artists make music either like it's like a combination of things. Artists are a combination of the music that they want to hear. So it's like certain artists make music that they want to hear. It's like, this is what I would like to hear. So I'm adding to the earth what I want to listen to. And then another part of it is like what they aspire to be or what they aspire to do. So it's like some artists may 
go into a different genre because they're like, this is what I really want to do. Or they may sing because that's what they really want to do. Like Kanye, for instance, 808s and Heartbreaks. It's like, he's not a great singer. It's evident, but he's still like, this is my this is my true desire. This is what I actually want to do. So it's like, he's he decided to take that step and sing. So, and then you have influences from your childhood is also another thing. So uh, as far as collaborations are concerned, I feel like uh, people think it's like, oh, you're just making music all day or something like that. Or just like everybody's just together in a studio at the one time. It was just like, as apart from being an artist, it's like everybody has their own personal life. So it's like making schedules or just being at the right place at the right time. And that's a lot of it. So before we wrap, I do just want to ask, since we're out here and we're like, you know, I'm a little on my like starstruck Hollywood type thing. <laughs> Any like particularly fantastic, very Hollywood, very LA stories where you were just like, how the hell did I end up in this spot? Um, a lot. I have like a lot of crazy stories. I, uh, I, I tell very brief ones. Um, um, trying to think. I oh, I went to uh. I got invited to Big Sean's listening party for Dark Sky Paradise. So this is 15, I think. This is a minute ago. But like uh I remember because like I cause once I started, once I moved out here, I would get invited to stuff. So like uh like we go to events all the time, like shows and concerts and all that stuff. And like uh so I was just like free bar, awesome. Like I'm there. Cause that was all it was like Big Sean, because like I like Big Sean. I'm just not I'm not the hugest fan, but it's like I don't dislike him either. So I'm just like, I go. Like and then also it's a free bar. I'm like, I'm definitely going. We got fizzy lifting drinks. Let's go. <laughs> right. So um I go so we get we get there mad early because it was just like it was a handful of people, but it wasn't like packed or anything yet. And so like uh and a friend of ours, cause she's the one who invited us, she was like, Yeah, there's open bar, so you may want to get drinks early, like a bunch of drinks early. So you know, I'm 22, so I'm just like you don't have to yes. tell me twice. Yeah, I was like, you don't have to tell yes, me twice. I'm like, I got. You didn't have to tell me once. <laughs> <laughs> I got. <laughs> I got like a champagne flute in one hand and like a Jack and Coke in the other. And I'm just going to town, and uh, like, so I'm getting. I get like, cause I think I got there at like seven. It's not even eight o'clock. It's like eight eight thirty maybe, and I'm like faded. <laughs> like faded i'm just having a good old time just dancing and everything so i, I go back even, they haven't even started playing the album yet. right yeah they haven't even played the album yet that's how that's how faded i am so like i get i go back to the bar and like i turn around and like i get bumped by the security guard you know you're drunk and somebody bumps into you you're just like uh you can't you, you're just like what's going on <laughs> you're just kind of confused and then i saw beyonce and jay-z and i was just like what the hell I was like, this is crazy. I'd never could have. It's like, because seeing them in sober probably would have been like, oh, cool. It's Beyonce, Jay Z. But I'm like drunk. So I'm like happy as hell. And I'm just <laughs> like, I can't believe this. This is miraculous. <laughs> there, I think we've been a lot of Beyonce and Jay Z stories lately. Some on air, some off air. Are you down to, did you tell your cousins yet on the show? Are you down to do it? Down to tell his story? I know it's yeah. not your story. No, I want to. I want to like record a mini okay. sec. We could like do a fifteen minute like storytelling. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's crazy. Um, I think the other crazy story. I threw this part. Okay, so we threw this party, right? Um, because uh, I dropped a project recently called Mango, and uh, 
as a weird. Where can the people find it? They can find it on Spotify, Tile, iTunes. Real deal. All that good things. Uh, SoundCloud as well, even though I hate SoundCloud right now. Why? Just because I just don't agree. Well, first, <laughs> I just don't agree. Their site, their site needs to be redesigned. Like I don't even know why that's not even been a discussion yet. Also, it's just like they make so many things so difficult. It's just like they just need a restructure. It's not even that I hate the site or hate what what. Teaching from a place of yeah. love. I understand. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, anyway, <laughs> the album comes out. Yeah. So uh, before the album came out, um, we st- we st- uh, so long story short had this house um, stayed. It was me, Donald, and a couple other people in the royalty. We stayed at this house in the hills. Donald worked on his album. Carrie finished up her album. Is this the house from Clapping for the Wrong Reasons? No, this is a different house. Um, That house was crazy. Yeah, that house was in Malibu, I think. This house was in Hollywood Hills. And uh, it was called The Factory. Um, Donald worked on his album. Carrie worked on her album there. I worked on my album there. And then they worked on the show Atlanta there as well. So it was just like a super creative crazy. house. Yeah, it was just like, it's like a crazy house, super creative. Like a lot of different people came through. Like, um, and uh, the day, pretty much the day we decided, like, well, the day we were moving out, uh, we decided to throw a party. So uh, the the theme of the party was, uh, you had, to, well, the, the idea of the party was like, you had to bring a mango to to get in the party. And nobody explained why or anything. So it was just like the invitation went out. Everybody had to bring mango. So it's like, and you just had to come in, bring, put the mango on the table, and then you can enjoy the party. And like, it was like, uh, every room was kind of different because it was like one room was like a balloon room. It was like balloons everywhere, like shit ton of balloons. And then another room was like a smoker's room. And it was like, uh, it's funny because it's like this, uh, the, like we had this lighting system in the room. So the whole room is like all one color. And when you walk out, uh, like your vision is kind of weird because it's like everything looks purple once you walk out of the room. And then uh, we had another, uh, we had the living room and everybody's watching the game and stuff. And we had a pool and all this stuff. And like, because uh, it's funny because like I didn't think it was going to happen. That's the thing is like, because last time we tried to throw a party, it didn't work out. So I was just like, all right, I guess we're throwing a party. So like, and I was still like, I guess it's that. Like, I don't never know. Like, anytime somebody's like, oh, I invite people, I'm just like, how many people can I invite? <laughs> like, like, what kind is this? A, is this a function, a get together, or <laughs> hang, a hoorah? Like, like, what are we doing? Do do? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, <laughs> so I, it's funny because I really just invited like, I think uh only invited like a couple friends and I invited my aunt and my cousin. And that was like it. Like, cause I didn't think it was gonna be a big thing. But and I ended up having to run errands uh with my roommate's brother and we got back and it was like the house was full of people and I was just like, Oh wow, it's a real party. Like but like it was just so many different types of people and I remember like uh we had uh Slim Jimmy from Ray Shimmer DJing. Like it was just like the craziest party you could possibly imagine. Like it was like <laughs> show up, you ended up DJing. <laughs> yeah, like we got him. It was like a lot of. It was like uh, Oshi, another producer DJ. It was just like a bunch of just people at the right place at the right time. And yeah, it was like actors in there and just like singers, just all kinds of stuff. And I just remember like at one point, uh, I was talking to somebody and Zoe Kravitz walked in. 
And I was just like, is that Zoe Kravitz? That will stop your conversation. <laughs> Yo, it was funny because I was talking to a girl too. I felt so bad when, when I did it because like I was talking to her because we it wasn't like I was talking to her. Like we were just cool. And I was talking to her and like I saw her and like stopped dead in my sentence. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like dead in my sentence. Like, oh, wow. And then I was like, all right, cool. But it was just like that moment was just wild to me because I was like, it's like yeah, like, yeah, Zoe Kravitz came over. And fucking Elena Glazer came, and I didn't get to meet her, and I was so sad about it. I was, like, so sad because she's, Shout like, out to Broad City. Shout out to Broad City. Yeah. <laughs> so I, we probably winded down. Yeah. I do have one. So I'm actually glad we, we kind of switched this around. We usually start with this question, but I'm really kind of interested to end with it. Oh, yeah. How is the world treating you, and how are you treating it right now? Honestly, I think the world is treating me better than I personally feel like I deserve sometimes. Mm. And I know that's like a weird <laughs> answer, but... What do you think you deserve? I don't know. I think that's the biggest thing. It's like, I don't know what I deserve. It's like, which go brings you into a rabbit hole of other things. It's like, yeah. how do you determine what you deserve as a as a person? But uh, I feel like I'm treating the world pretty well. I try to... I mean, I, me personally, I try to give the world what I want back. So, I mean, I try not to litter as much, try not to, you know, cut down trees, try not to be- Shout out to the trees. Um, What do you think it would, because what you just said about the deserving piece, you know, we talk about, we've talked about imposter syndrome before mm -hmm. on the show. And I think that's super real and I'm realizing more and more, especially in creative circles, how prevalent that is is there an external thing like a validation for you that you think would make you feel like oh i've earned this or i've deserved it or is it just like how do you get to the point where you feel like you're getting like that you deserve the things you're getting that's a t you don't have to have an answer to that question I feel like it's more of an internal thing. It's like you have to be, you have to have that come to an understanding internally to be like, okay, I understand why I'm able to. But it's also, I think it's more, more than anything, it's just an existential misunderstanding. It's like, why? Like it's more so in reference to even reality. Why is this my reality? Because mm. it's like, I don't know, like, because I don't know, I feel like it also has, I don't like it's kind of like the power of the mind for instance it's like that's a concept that the average person may not be into but it's also it's like when you subscribe to that concept and it works and but not everybody subscribes to it it's just like does this work do i deserve this is this magic or what like what's going on like yeah, you know it's, and it's like you do have access you know you just talked about that and i'm saying it's not i know it's not all about being in that party for you i know mm -hmm. we're talking about something more but it is a thing that a lot of people romanticize. And does it feel, first of all, I admire the way you're wrestling with it and you're able to like zoom out and have that like long-term vision. Mm -hmm. And it's not just about um, that party. Mm -hmm. Cause I mean, cause that's also the other thing is like, I feel like in a weird way, cause I kind of was kind of put in a position to meet a lot of people I wouldn't normally have access to, but also I wasn't, I've never been like thirsty. Cause there's one thing to be 
Don't be thirsty. Like, it's one thing to be open. There go, to, PSA. <laughs> don't be thirsty. It's one thing to be uh, available for, for opportunities, and it's one thing to be completely opportunistic, and that's the mm. thing. Understanding, because I've always been like, okay, I've always understood being in the right place at the right time, being prepared for whatever I need to take on, but also it's like, what happens, like... And also understanding it's like I'm going to have to work harder than the average person because I'm coming from a small town. So it's like when you take somebody who has when when you're dealing with that and then you're put in a world where things are a little bit easier, but you have to focus on other things, then it kind of makes you look at things in a different way. So it's like even that party, it's like the party was fun. It was cool. But it's like I've had moments like that since I've been in LA, it's like LA has been like one big long entourage episode. Like, (laughs) so it's like, I don't necessarily look at it. Like, like I feel like somebody, like if maybe if I was younger, I would look at it. Like I hang out with most, like I'm probably the youngest person out of everybody I hang out with. Like most of the people I hang out with are like 30. So it's like, I, I don't know. I kind of look at things differently than, uh, the I guess the average twenty four year old who hasn't been to college, you know, so it's just like I don't I don't really place importance on certain things like that. I place importance on it's like what am I doing for myself? It's like it's more of or what am I doing for others or you know. So I think that's the biggest thing for me is like. All right, nah, I want to congratulate you on. Thank on, you. On, uh, walking this walk with with, with a certain amount of grace and. Thank you. And so much love, man. Thank you for having us. Thank you. And uh, it's just, it's a beautiful thing to have the three of us here. (laughs) I know. We haven't seen each other other forever, man. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Look who's here in the studio. It's me. How's it feel to be in here? Well, I was a little nervous uh-huh. earlier, but mm-hmm. now I'm a little more calm. Wonderful. And I'm staring directly <laughs> into your eyes. But we do that all the time anyway. Yeah, but there's not always all this equipment in between us. Well, maybe this will help. Let's play a game. Okay. So I'm thinking maybe like a taboo. Taboo. Like I'll give you some clues and then you'll have to guess what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Does that know, make sense? I know how to play taboo, Daniel. Oh, you'd prefer if I did not taboo explain? Yes, please. All right, let's get started. Timer on the clock. Ooh. All right, first up. Okay. It's an independent podcast app. Got it. It embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. Mm-hmm. It has no exclusives. Mm-hmm. No premium content. All right. No paywalls. Great. And it's a great podcast app for everyone. Mm-hmm. Do you think you know it? I think I do. Huh. What do you think it is? Sounds like the Overcast app. Beep, 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 beep. Toots got it. Yay. Look at that. I win. Nicely done. How does one get the app? Well, if one were to want to get the app, one could get it for free in the app store. Fantastic. Cool. You going to check it out? I might. Very wonderfully noncommittal. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's get out of here. Bye.